Good morning, everyone. Now I'm here. Well, welcome. Nice to have you here today with us. And I know we have some visitors, and uh, it's good to see you. I am going to um, take a second here to get myself up on the wall. Well, not me, but... <laughs> Auditorium. Mirroring. I'm there. That's instant. Those guys at the back do a lot of great work for us here, I have to say. So, thankful for what they do. And that is the end of me turning around to look at it. I have faith that it's there. <laughs> let's, uh, let's take a moment and turn to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Father, for this day you've given us. Thank you for your blessings to us and for your goodness. And thank you, as we've been singing, for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That in that cross, we have found, in his death, we have found life. And I uh, pray as we look into your word this morning that you would uh, bless it to our hearts in a way that uh, will challenge us to become more like the Lord Jesus. And we will uh, grow in our knowledge and our walk with him. Not just take in head knowledge, but Father, that we would grow in our heart knowledge in the way we live. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, I've been doing a short series on, uh, called What We Do at Church. We, we spent a little bit of time looking at fellowship and the last time we looked at, at Apostles' Doctrine and today, I'd like to take a look at uh, the breaking of bread. This is uh, a series that I've been doing based on one verse, on Acts chapter two, verse 42. And uh, there's a couple of more things that they do. There were five, most people say there's four primary things that the church did, I believe there are five, and we'll, we'll uh, have a look at, at the other two a little later on. But this morning I wanna focus the time on, on the breaking of bread. Now, I have to admit, when I was a kid, uh, I, was, I had a wild imagination. In fact, I, I would, my imagination was so great that, that and I, uh, my fascination with things was so great that I was always late for school, and it became an issue. I remember my mom got called in one time, and, and the teacher said, are you aware that David doesn't show up to school sometimes till almost 10 o'clock? My mom was horrified, she had no idea. And well, they were building the junior college and they had all that machinery and they had their cement mixers and all that stuff and man, I'd stop and I'd watch and I'd just like, this is the greatest thing in the world. And I'd stand and watch the construction and then uh, after I got tired of that, I'd wander off and go to school. And uh, so anyway, it was, uh, it was quite a thing and, and you know, my mom laughs at it now. She didn't laugh the day that they told her. But uh, I've also remember back in the day, do you remember shows like My Favorite Martian? Somebody, oh, Kathy, you're, you're old, so you remember. <laughs> so, and, and, and then there was, there was shows with, with a time machine where you go back in time and, and see. I was always fascinated with those. I wanted a time machine. I wanted to go back and, and not, you know, not just a few years, but I wanted to go back a long, long way. And, and, and I was fascinated by those things. So let's just take a, a, an imaginary trip back for a minute here. And we're going to go back about 3,400 years. And there's a Moabite standing overlooking the tents of the Israelites. And he sees this big tent in the middle of all of the, all of the, oh, I forgot I have one of these things. All the tents of where people are living. And then there's this big structure 
made of skins and linens and all kinds of things in the middle. And this Moabite is, is looking at that and he says, I'm gonna go down and check that out. It's in the middle of their camp. And he goes down and there's a gatekeeper at the, at the big, huge 10-foot cloth wall. And the, the gatekeeper says, uh, or he says to the gatekeeper, he says, can I go in and check this out? And he says, well, uh, who are you? Any Israelite may enter. And he said, well, I'm, I'm not an Israelite, I'm a Moabite. And he said, well, I'm sorry, then you can't enter. The Moabite says, well, what would I have to do to get inside? He says, well, you'd have to be born an Israelite. You're excluded. So the man looks down, he kind of mutters under his breath, he says, boy, I wish I was born an Israelite. But he kind of sneaks a little peek inside and he notices that there's a man wearing unusual garments and he's offering sacrifices on a brass altar. And then this man washes his hands in a, in a big laver or sink and he, and he walks inside another little tent inside the structure. Right here. And he says, what's that? And he said, well, that man is a priest. And he's offering a sacrifice. And then he goes into a room called the holy place. And in that room, there's a lampstand, and there's a, a table with bread and, and a little altar, and he burns incense on it. The priest is going in to trim lamps and eat some of the bread and, and bring the sacrifice in and say some prayers with, to our God to, that represents our prayers. And you say, wow, that sounds like a beautiful place. And the Moabite says, wow, I'd, I'd love to see that as well. And he said, well, well, you can't. He says, even I can't go in there because you ha it's reserved for the priests, the priests of the, of the line of, of Aaron. And he said, oh, boy. I wish I was born an Israelite. And I, I, I wish I was a priest so I could kind of go in and, and check this thing out. And he, the Moabite says, well, is there anything else in there? And he said, yes, there is. He said, beyond the first room, there's a big veil. And behind that veil is a, is a, a place called the Holy of Holies. And in there is a, a special piece of furniture called the Ark, Ark of the Covenant. And that's where actually God comes and meets us, the presence of God is actually there. It, it hovers over the top of this, this piece of furniture. And he said, wow, I wish I was an Israelite and I wish I was from the tribe of Levi and I wish I was from the family of Aaron so I could actually go in and, and see this. And he said, don't worry about it, I can't see it. He said, a regular priest can't go and see it. He said, it's, it's, it's very specific to them. Oh, thank you. And he says, oh, tell me more. Because I wish I was an Israelite. I wish I was of the tribe of Levi. I wish I was of the family of Aaron. And I wish I was a high priest. Because if that's where God really lives, as you say, then I would go there three times a day, if not more. And I spent all the time fellowshipping and talking with this God. And he, the gatekeeper says, oh, even the high priest can't do that. He only gets to go in there once a year, and it's for a brief time. And he enters the room only if he's right with God, because if not, he's gonna die. And the Moabite looks one more time and just hangs his head and then walks away without any hope of ever getting intimate access with God. And I tell that story because the first Christians, they lived in the shadow of what replaced that tabernacle. It was a temple, a temple in Jerusalem. 
And it was a big stone building, a, a beautiful building. It replaced this tent that was made of cloths and skins, but really had the same elements to it and the same restrictions on it. And it had walls and courts, and the courts were distinct, and they, there were walls of separation. Men went to one place, women went to another place, Gentiles observed from another place, and only priests could go into one section. There was no access. The regular Israelite could not just go in and get access to God. Until the time the Lord Jesus Christ came, and when he died, that veil that I spoke of, the moment he died, that big curtain that separated the presence of God from men was torn from top to bottom. And at that moment, we had access, free access to God. You know, we come to the breaking of bread, to the communion table, and that represents our free access to God. It's a wonderful thing, it's a wonderful time. It's a wonderful access that we have. You know, in Israel's long history, Abraham didn't have it, Moses didn't have it, David didn't have it, Samuel didn't have it, Elijah didn't have it, Isaiah didn't have it. They couldn't go in and, and have free access anytime they wanted to God. And we come to the Lord's Supper. Now, I've used three terms here. I've said the Lord's Supper. I've said breaking of bread and communion. So I'm going to say that throughout. I'm going to mix them all up. It's all the same thing, just so you know. Okay? When we take communion, it, it represents the access that we have to God. Breaking of bread is more than a, re, a religious ritual. It's a time that we come together, not once a year. It's a time that we come together often. And remember the great price that Jesus Christ paid to save our souls. And I'm going to look briefly at, at four points this morning. First of all, breaking of bread is, is a priority. Breaking of bread has a pattern. It's not just something that just kind of we just do made up out of nothing. Breaking of bread has a purpose, and it requires preparation. So let's look, first of all, breaking of bread has a priority. If you have your Bibles there, turn with me. We're going to continue reading in Acts chapter uh, 2, and with emphasis on verse 42. And I'm reading from the New King James. <clears throat> now when they heard this, this 